1: On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hurstranch.com.
2: Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and we're here at Roberta's. Again, it's a crisp fall day, Monday. And, um, you know, we've done a lot of talking about um, growing your own food or um, getting it direct uh, from the farm, maybe join a CSA, something like that. But um, I don't think we've ever really talked too much about how the grocery store weighs into this whole scale of, of procuring your food for the table um, so I'm very very excited to have uh, a guest who knows quite a lot about that um, Sam McGannum is the second generation owner of Byrate right Market and the founder of the Byright family of businesses which includes Byright Creamery, 18 Reasons and Byrate right Farms um, and he's on the phone here from San Francisco, hi Sam
3: Hi, thanks for having me, Kathy.
2: Thank you so much for joining, and I'm sorry that it couldn't be uh, in person in this lovely little shoebox we're sitting in. Uh,
3: <laughs> I love your shoebox. It's awesome.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. How's everything in the West Coast? Is it sunny and delicious? It was,
3: it was yesterday in classic San Francisco fashion. It's overcast, foggy, and misty as all hell, so it's you know, it's, it's the ride that we live every day.
2: Well, you guys also have a, a longer growing season, so I'm very jealous about that. We, um, we do, yeah. Well, um, so Sam, I know you're just coming out of um, uh, launching, I believe, October 18th with this beautiful cookbook, which I'm holding. It's called The Buy Right Markets Eat Good Food, A Grocer's Guide to Shopping, Cooking, and Creating Community Through Food. Um, very intriguing. And, um Just so you know, uh, anyone listening in New York, which I think most of you guys are, uh, (laughs) this San Francisco-based supermarket and cookbook is um, having a launch party at Brooklyn Kitchen on October 28th, and it's quite an interesting event. Um, It's called Stocking Up, How the Grocer and Shopper Can Take Back Food Choice Event. And what do you think is going to happen at that event? Do you know, Sam?
3: (laughs) I, I do. You know, what I'm, what I'm hope, hoping is going to happen is that there's going to be a stimulating conversation about the path that food takes to get from the actual farm to the table. And most of the food that gets onto our tables in this country really has to tra- transfer through the grocery store. And, and you know, my, my feeling is that not enough grocery stores take that responsibility seriously enough you know they end up selling food that multinational corporations want them to sell. And, and I feel that they need to curate the selection a little bit more, really think about the people that they're feeding and and be a little bit more selective about the food that they actually sell.
2: Interesting. So you think that there's a lot of pressure to sell what's uh, not only maybe cheapest, but what is being kind of forced force-fed to supermarkets to buy?
3: I, I You know, I, I think there's a ton of pressure. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, if you think about all the advertising dollars that you know companies like Kraft and General Mills spend, they need partners and their partners are the supermarket and that's the that's the outlet and so they're all they're all in business together and I think they're working together to keep the price of commodities cheap, to keep labor cheap so that food is as cheap as it possibly can so they can just sell a lot of it.
2: Mm Mhm. And now so I love this little, uh, uh, actually, uh, an old ad that I, I see in the book, but it says they had it straight in 1914 and it's a, it's a kind of a, I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, but it says food, uh, buy it with thought, cook it with care, use less wheat and meat buy local foods, serve just enough, use what is left. Don't waste it. So was that like an kind of old piece of, uh, what is that word I'm looking for? Um,
3: it's war propaganda. propaganda. It, was. It, was, it was from 1914, and it was it was developed by the U.S. Food Administration as a means of rallying um, a lot of um, uh, patriotism around around the war. And one of the things that was needed was was food and supplies for for the um, military. Um, and so they needed Americans to make sacrifices. And those sacrifices, ironically, are the same message that that we need to be um, instilling in everybody today. You know we waste too much food, we eat too much we 're not thinking about it enough we 're not cooking enough mm-hmm. and a hundred year hundred years later, and that message is still really clear, but the government really isn't doing anything to support that message
2: so you kind of resurrected that you just came across it, and now it 's one of the uh nice little decorations in the sh- in the shop at Buy right or? It,
3: you know we we actually um a, a good a good friend an ex employee of ours um when he left as a thank you, um, actually got me an original print of that poster, and, and it, it inspired me so much that we, we've uh, actually put it onto a canvas bag that um, our shoppers use when they're shopping around the store.
2: Cool. Um, I had the pleasure of checking out your um, of Buy Right and both the, uh, both Buy Right and the Creamery, which is so delicious. Um, I'm sure any, anyone who travels and reads the guides of where to eat um, would see Byrate right Creamery as one of the stops. But um, uh, it, it's definitely a different type of grocery store experience, Byrate right Market. And that has only evolved in the past, um, you know, since you t- took the reins in 1997, I believe.
3: Um. Yeah, 97 we took the space over. We, um, after about um, nine months of uh, renovation, we opened in June of 98. So we're in our 14th year.
2: Wow. And in- incredibly I you know from the introduction it, it sounds kind of like almost you were um it was like thrust upon you um your father and your uncle owned this uh grocery store since the 60s and um they asked you to take up the reins and you were like no you're kicking and screaming at first is that right
3: It it's it's exactly right. You know I I spent my entire childhood working here. Um, I, I started working here in, in, in 74 when I was six, you know, my mom would give me a nickel and, and put me on the streetcar with a bag of food to take to my dad after school. And, you know, I, I grew up doing a lot of my homework in the store and I learned.
2: <laughs> and, eating if, every know, meals in the store.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. totally. You know, and, and, and some of them, many of them were not good, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in the business and, you know, like lots of kids who grew up in family businesses, you know, they, they want nothing to do with them when they're, when they're of age to make a decision on their own. And, and so when I graduated from high school, I, I decided I wanted to be a cook. I wanted to get into the restaurant business and, and uh, went to cooking school at City College in San Francisco and I ended up um, moving to Switzerland to cook for a year. And, and I, I fell in love with food. I fell in love with how, how valuable it is, wow. and how intimate it is to feed people.
2: Well, you didn't stray too far, I guess, if you had a passion for food, and uh, it's not like you ran off to, uh, I don't know, what's the opposite of groceries? I don't know. It's sort of related, I guess. Um, No, no.
3: I thought Honestly, I thought I wanted to be an accountant or a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) And and I I probably would have had a bullet in my head if I had done that. (laughs) I can't imagine waking up every day and putting on a suit on.
2: So, okay, so you're forced into the profession. Not really, but... um, You had a family obligation, a feeling of obligation. Yeah, no, you
3: know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. You know, it it wasn't really forced. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a restaurant at the time when the opportunity came. You know, I had my own restaurant in the financial district for about seven years, and we were in a a, a lease that was coming to an end with no real clear hope of renewing, and I was thinking about what the next step, you know, for for uh, my my brother and I would be, and. You know, my dad called me up one day and said, hey, you know, the, the guy who's renting the space wants out. you guys want in? And after, you know, a few weeks of, of arguments and discussions, you know, my brother and I decided to do it. You know, and we wanted to do a really cool store. And the most important thing to me was that I, I, I still needed to be able to cook. Mm-hmm. And so we built a kitchen inside the space, right, you know, right in the middle of it. So you could actually hear and smell all the food being prepared. We wanted our guests to, to be part of that action, to, to Experience the food and, and 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 to really trust that that you know they could see everything that we were doing. That transparency really built a lot of long lasting relationships that have built the business over the last number of years.
2: Well, it's a really interesting, inspiring story um, because just knowing the the, soup, the grocery as it is today, um, it's just is such a work of of heart, uh, labor of love, it seems, and so detailed. Um, I really think that there ought to be a James Beard Award for grocery stores, now that I think about it. I mean, and this, because it's so much part of a, uh, bringing food to the table, and just like a restaurant or a chef, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll see, but you do have a book, so that's pretty exciting.
3: It is exciting. You know, I I mean, ultimately, what restaurants do, it's the same thing that, that we do. You know, we mm-hmm. feed people, yep. and and it was that experience as a chef that I, I realized how, how critical that role is, and and... I mean, whether whether we're, I'm putting a, um, a can of food on a shelf, or whether I'm I'm making this beautiful plate and putting it on a table with white linen, it's it's the same. And and I feel that anybody who's in the business of selling food really is in the business of feeding, and and that needs to be taken more seriously.
2: You're also in the business of educating people, because it sounds like um, through the way you sell food, you aim to broaden. Um, not just the palette, but just consumers' awareness of where it's coming from. Um, there's so many detailed uh, notes about the origins throughout the store and now throughout the book.
0: Right. And
2: I know that, that that's something that's done um, at 18 Reasons, which is a community kind of workshop space down the street. Yep. Um, and, you know, what, what, why do you think that that's something, you know, obviously that's a not part of the business or is it? I mean, how, why is that so important? You think
3: education? Yeah. And 18 reasons. I mean, yeah, giving I
2: mean, giving all these really detailed uh, cues uh, to consumers about where what each coffee you know came from and so forth.
3: People people um, people are are dying to know where their food's coming from, and I, I think people are finally standing up and and. And, and, and shouting instead of just talking about understanding that um, that transparency and, and how food is getting to them, and you know there's so much confusion around food, and there's there's so many um, different and contradictory viewpoints around what's right and what's wrong. you um, know and our 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 role ultimately has been since the day we started is to is to first and foremost. Wow! People with how good good food tastes, mm-hmm. and and once and once you put that an, an amazing strawberry in somebody's mouth, and and their eyes light up. It's easy then to talk to them about why organically grown strawberries are so critical. It's easy to talk to them about the the, the dangers of of methyl iodide, and and the impact of the, of the land, the impact that those chemicals have on the land and on the workers that work the fields, mm-hmm. and so. Our, you know, our, it kind of breaks the ice is, 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 a little, a, right?
2: Yeah, makes it again. fun. It kind of breaks the ice a little, like makes it fun. Now, now here's the <laughs> the bad that's part. Right. All right.
3: And that, and that's, I mean, to me, that's like the, one of the coolest advantages that we have is, is you know, we're we're able to share food with people all day long. We've got samples going on; people can taste whatever they want. I mean, you know, it's not like we're going to be able to cook off a steak and let them taste it, but sometimes we do, <laughs> and, and and that's an important part of building that trust if you can actually taste that food before you buy it and hear the story behind it and know that there was a human involved in producing that food as opposed to a factory farm, an industrial system, then you're going you're gonna to feel good about supporting that. You're going to feel good knowing that you're supporting your own local community, that you're supporting the local economy, that you're supporting somebody that you can actually pick up the phone and call. Yeah. And that's powerful.
2: That's pretty neat. Do you find that um, people are cooking more than ever, or less than ever, or do you, do you get a sense of that from the amount of uh, folks you've gone to kn- know through through the store and your I don't know community of shoppers?
3: Yeah, you know we're you know we're we're a store for cooks, and that's one of the things that yeah. I love. You know, we're we're an ingredient driven store. We we don't have very many like um, you know process, overly processed packaged. Kind of foods, though we do produce a lot of our own meals that are made in our house, mm-hmm. utilizing the same ingredients. Oh as yeah, itself. the
2: salads and stuff. Yeah,
3: exactly. But what, um, what what I'm what I'm seeing is that yes, people are cooking more. I mean, food is you know is becoming part of you know people's everyday lives. Um, but I wish you know, I, and I hope that people will cook even more. You know, I, I'd love to see more people spend more time around the table, around their kitchens, teaching their kids how to cook you know, sharing that time as a family together um, as something to celebrate as opposed to it being a chore, mm-hmm. you know, not, not being in front of the computer, not being in front of the TV, um, but just actually being with each other, and spending that time with each other.
2: I you hope know. so, too. And thank you, because I think that, you know, as someone who's uh, advocates for cooking more, I, I think that your store and um, just the whole, you know, community that you've built through it makes – Shopping and cooking food a lot more sexy and fun and trendy, like going to your restaurant, perhaps. Is. Yeah. So, thank you for for doing that. You're, um, you're any,
3: welcome. That's, you know, to me, that's like exactly what we what, what we look for. You
2: know? Any buy right Brooklyn coming in the future?
3: Book book line.
2: No Brooklyn.
3: Oh, buy right Brooklyn. You know <laughs> here. You know, everyone, everyone everyone wants a buy right in their in their in their town in their neighborhood and and you know when when uh, before before we opened buy right. We were we were in a food desert as well, and and I I think I think that you know hopefully through the book and through just you know getting word out, more yeah. and more people will be inspired to do you know bring bring that little sexy, you know conscientious um, effort to to retail and to grocery stores. You know you see them. There's some great stores in Brooklyn. You guys are lucky.
2: Yeah. I well. Yes, we are. And not to diss Brooklyn, but um, I hope so. We'll see. Um, Maybe your book will help in spreading that inspirational model. Um, We're going to cut to a really quick uh, musical clip that you chose. And Uh, what is it again?
3: It's um, um, Month of Sundays from Middle Mackey.
2: All right, we'll be right back. All right, we're back with "Let's Eat In." I'm Kathy Airway, your host. That was a song chosen by my guest today, who is Sam McGannum, who is um, not joined in geographical terms, but through the phone on, in San Francisco. Hi there. Hey, Hey, so Sam, again, is the owner of Byright Markets, Byright Creamery, 18 F- Reasons and Byright Farms. Tell me a little bit about what Byrate right farms and how that came about. Like what exactly? Is it?
3: <laughs> well, we're um, currently about an acre and a half um, that we're farming. We're going to go up to two acres uh, um, next spring. Um, it's in Sonoma, um, about an hour door to door from the store. And um, it's, it's been one of the coolest things that we've done. We started, we started the farm on, on half an acre um, about four years ago. Um, and it was a c- collaboration with Simon Richard, who's our, our produce buyer. He's been our produce buyer for the last eight years. But before he moved out to San Francisco and started working with us, he was a, um, a farmer in Colorado. Hmm. And he was dying to get back hmm. to, to the to the soil to, to the get his hands soil. dirty again. And, you know, over a series of conversations, we committed to doing this. And wow. it's been the funnest thing. You know, staff get to go up there and <laughs> and... Harvest they get to plant, they get to weed, they get to see exactly where their food's coming from and how hard that work is and and their sense of appreciation for what organic farmers do has 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 risen tremendously
2: and you know talk about different restaurants doing this whole farm to get table you know this is this is what you sell in your store this is direct from from your farm an hour yeah. away very cool yeah. model. I hope to see more of that happening too, so that is. Does that supply, I mean, how much percentage of, of the store's produce would you say?
3: You know, it's it not, not, a, not, a, not a huge amount. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, it, most of it actually goes to our kitchen. Okay. We utilize it for a lot of the prepared foods. And so during those summer and fall months, a good chunk of the, our seasonal menu, the, the food that we actually have available for, for guests to pick up, comes from ingredients from, from veggies that we've grown on the farm.
2: Well, That is so fun. Um, has farming been a new, uh, adventure for, for yourself?
3: It's probably been one of the best things that's happened in my life. You know, know, as a family now, we, we, uh, I've got two daughters, um, and my wife, we, we go up there almost every weekend and just get to be away from the city and actually get time with each other. We get to put our hands in the dirt and pick carrots and then go and cook them together. and, and it's been great for them. That's you know, just
2: seeing how their eyes light up. And very perfect. cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm flipping through this book right now, by the way, and uh, everything is making me really, really hungry. Um, uh-huh. I, I, it's just so... All of them are just kind of practical, like, you know, not too crazy, and but just mouth-watering. Um, and I, so I always ask this to every guest, and I think that you'd be a good uh, expert on this, but what would you say would be the... Uh-huh. Ultimate date meal that you could ever brainstorm and pull off.
3: You, you know, you know, it's funny. I, we, I, I just had my ultimate date meal a couple nights ago. My my uh, my wife and I just celebrated our ten year anniversary. And oh, congrats! We, thanks. Yeah, we 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 cooked we cooked at home together, and um, we we started with a, a frisée salad with um, crispy bacon,
0: hmm.
3: a poached egg, crisp. You know, crunchy croutons and a sherry vinaigrette with lots of mustard, and it was it's out of the swirl, You know, to break that egg and let mm. the yolk kind of mix in, and it was like the it was the perfect you know first course. And then we had um, local albacore, with, you know Pacific albacore is you know such a wonderful fish, um, cooked rare and served on a simple salad of dry farm potatoes and dry farm tomatoes so you with kind a of caper sear- and anchovy vinaigrette. Okay, it was really clean. And my favorite dessert of all time, you know, and only only can happen this time of year, is a fig raspberry galette.
2: Oh, fig raspberry galette. Yeah, because fig, well, we don't even have figs to begin with, but... (laughs) I I know, that's like
3: one of the biggest bummers in the East Coast. (laughs) Oh, it totally is. I know I have have so many friends who are dying to figure out how to get great figs shipped over there.
2: (laughs) So, so figs and raspberries, that sounds like a great combination it is the raspberries
3: just give it that nice amount of acidity that brighten the whole thing up. It's it's perfect.
2: Wow, yum! You know what? I found a similar recipe in this book to your date meals main course: the seared saffron albacore tuna with fennel olive tapenade.
3: It's very very similar, you know. Okay. And I I'm, I'm I'm kind of one of those cooks that never c- cooks from a recipe, you mm-hmm. know. So it was really strange for me developing <laughs> recipes for a book. Um, and I've never repeated, you know, there's only one recipe that I've actually ever repeated and, and never really exactly the same, but it, there's a recipe in the book for um, spaghetti with tuna, capers, um, garlic, and chili flakes. Okay. It's kind of a little riff on, on linguine with clams, but it's a dish that you can make just from ingredients that you have in your pantry. It's, you know, canned tuna
0: mm-hmm.
3: with good spaghetti, olive oil, a little white wine, chili flakes, garlic, and a little parsley if you've got it, but, but you don't need it. it so that- that would be perfect. the date
2: meal on the fly from the cupboard
3: that's that's my meal on the fly yeah nice.
2: that sounds like a really good one and and I like the idea of having you know the the pantry that's already equipped to to serve your guests at any time, um, which is always fun
3: yeah, I mean that I mean that actually lessens the the chore factor with cooking you know if you've got some good basic ingredients available then 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 it's really easy. all you've got to do is just go to the market, pick up a few things that look inspiring. And then and then put them together.
2: I like how your cookbook is arranged from seasons. So there's spring, summer, fall, and winter. Um, uh-huh. I see that happening more and more, and it makes sense. Um, and you know, thanks. You mentioned it was difficult to transcribe into recipes, and and you know, I'm sure that's always a challenge. But there's so many, and they all look so great. Do you have a fa- any other favorites you'd like to kind of pull out, put out there?
3: Yeah. <laughs> God, um you know there's for uh, the recipe for the recipe for um the sumac um roasted chicken is is another one that i that I love is it, it was a dish that was inspired by my mother you know and she learned it from her mother and and it was a, it was a dish I served on the menu at at my restaurant for a number of years um It's just a, a really good flavorful roasted chicken that you could cook any any time of year mm-hmm. whether no matter what season it is.
2: Using the dried sumac as the kind of rub?
3: Yeah, exactly. The dried okay. sumac just get, adds this really nice tangy flavor to the to the bird, and it brightens the whole dish up.
2: And that's an ingredient that we see a bit in Middle Eastern or Israeli. Uh, uh, I, I know it's in um, what's it called Zat- zatar spice mixes. Yeah. yeah,
3: some some zatar mixes have have sumac in them, but traditional zatar doesn't have sumac in it. Okay. it's just it's just thyme and, and sesame seeds.
2: It's so fun how something like that can spice up something so ordinary sounding as roast chicken, but that makes me really want to cook a roast chicken right now. <laughs> <So Yeah. laughs> thank you for the inspiration. All right. So um, we'll look forward to having you in town on the 18th for, oh, no, the 28th at yeah, the Brooklyn yeah. Kitchen for that conversation. Um, and I'm sure you'll be doing more events in San Fran and, and thereabouts for the book's release.
3: Probably. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. You know, I'll 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 be back in New York in in November, and then up in Portland in Seattle um, in in December. So yeah, should I'm be excited. an exciting
2: month. All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, Sam. And to everyone, check out BuyRightMarket dot com. Is that correct?
3: BuyRightMarket dot com. Yeah. All right. Thanks.
2: We'll see you next week. All right. Bye.
1: Today, we'd like to send a special thank you to the following restaurants for supporting No Goat Left Behind: Ottomannellian Sons and Salamuria Rossi. Show your support at these restaurants by ordering one of the menu items featuring goat. Goat is the most eaten protein in the entire world. Yet, in the U.S., we import most of our goat. Our dairy farms are forced to kill some male goats at birth because there's no market for them. Help make a change. Support No Goat Left Behind. As a part of National Food Day, St. John's Bread and Life, Brooklyn's innovative and life-saving food service program based in Bedford-Stuyvesant, is inviting Brooklyn chefs and purveyors to learn about how the organization is marrying the procurement of old-fashioned, locally-grown organic produce with the latest technology to deliver healthy, cost-effective meals to those in need. St. John's Bread and Life, located at 795 Lexington Avenue, will hold an open house on Monday, October 24th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Visit www.foodday.org to sign up for the event.